welcome to the North Witch Podcast with your hosts, Azariel Flame and Sandra Von Hollen. In this podcast, we explore all the things that can help us to be better and improve our lives in body, mind, and spirit. Looking at everything from witchcraft, sorcery, woo-woo, spirituality, biohacking, the mundane, and everything in between. We occasionally have on guests from various backgrounds, practices, and philosophies. We welcome everyone from all walks of life, from the left-hand path to the right-hand path, from the medical to the holistic, from the woo-woo to the scientific and everything in between. We have conversations and discussions about our experiences over the years, what works for us, what hasn't worked, and explore new theories and science, trying them out, seeing what works, and debunking what doesn't. Thank you for joining us on this wicked adventure along the crooked path as we adventure into the mysterious and wonderful world and welcome what truly works for us to become better witches, sorcerers, magicians, and our best selves so that we can live our best lives. May these conversations help you to ignite the light within. The views expressed by our guests on this podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of us here at Northwich Magic Co. All of the information shared on this podcast is anecdotal and shared for entertainment purposes only and does not constitute medical or financial advice. Always consult a doctor, physician, or professional in their field before trying any of the things that may be discussed on this channel. Magic and holistic healing should work alongside allopathic care when necessary. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Northwich Podcast. On today's episode, we have Allison Chikoski back from Practical Occult, and she has written a lovely little pamphlet with Hadian Press called The Secrets of Helios. I don't know if you can see it for those of you who are... Oh, you almost had it there. ...in my thing. Oh, ah, I can't make it pop through. I love so, all backgrounds. <laughs> there, Allison's got it. We win. <laughs> I've got a lot so, of play. This is a lovely little pamphlet on a spell from late antiquity that is in the Greek magical papyri, and it's uh, one of the first times that it's really been broken down and brought to public light, other than in the Hans Dieter Betts version of the Greek magical papyri. So how is it going today, Allison? Uh, great to be here. Awesome. So... I guess the first thing is, is the, it's entitled the secrets of Helios. And so I put up some questions in our Patreon and stuff, and people were asking who is Helios and why is it important for this spell? So I thought that might be an interesting place to start and why, you know, that is part of the Greek magical papyri. Uh, so when uh, the Greek magical papyri refers to Helios, uh, like is in this case, uh, you are addressing the spell to the sun, uh, and the god of the sun has many names. So, um, you know, Helios for, for the Greeks, um, Ra for the Egyptians, um, and, and really most cultures have their own name for a sun god. Uh, so in, in this, uh, this is an address to the sun god. Awesome. So... This spell is, you know, very old. Um, it's, I believe, about 1600 years old, if I'm correct. And it's originally written in ancient Greek. Um, how did you go about getting it translated for, you know, modern times to make make sense for modern practitioners? Because there's a lot of stuff in here that is, you know, very 
stuck in that time period and it's kind of hard to bring it forward. So what, where did you start with this and how did you start uh, diving into it and bringing it forward? So I think, uh, I think some of us are, are definitely familiar with uh, the Betts version of the Greek magical papyri, which is, uh, you know, a collected edition of many of these papyri that can be found in different museums across the world. Uh, and they, they had been translated by a variety of different translators, edited by Betts, and uh, put together in that one book. So I wanted to uh, work with a translator that was familiar with ancient Greek and the translation thereof, and that was Corey Childs. Uh, and, and I wanted to get a new translation of it, and I wanted to look at the Greek myself and, uh, you know, just have his notes involved when there are specific words that have maybe more of a connotation than we are used to as modern people. Awesome. So I, uh, it was it was great to partner with Corey. Uh, Corey uh, is also a composer, and he wrote music to go with the spell. So there's uh, there's music available uh, online for it if you want to have music when you are reciting the spell. And he's also done two versions of it, uh, in Eng one in English and one in Ancient Greek, uh, all of which are available on the resource section of my site, which is practicalocult.com. Uh, and it's just there, including the, the, his translation. So if you don't have a copy of the guide, uh, you can just go there and listen to it, read through the translation. It doesn't have any of the context or practice suggestions that you would get in the guide, but it, you know, it'll, it'll get you started. Well, and setting it to music, what a brilliant idea, a whole right. other layer to it, right? Well, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's very good, uh, well-tested, powerful pagan magic. And I would really like to see people that are involved in group work, especially covens, uh, doing the spell. Uh, you know, I think it would lend itself well to a whole group of people especially 12 or more, um, you know, doing the spell. And now they've got music for that. That's awesome. Definitely will so, set the tone, set it up, right? Yeah, yeah for sure. And he's also, um, you know, there's, there's different zodiac attributions to the animals in the spell. Uh, and he's factored that in. Uh, so, so he's definitely got a changing vibe to go with the whole journey of the sun. Excellent. So definitely our listeners will need to check that out with the music. So, you know, we've covered that this is a spell to Helios. This is to call to the, you know, the powers of the sun. What is the purpose of this spell for people that are not familiar with it? So the purpose in uh, the Greek magical papyri, uh, so its original purpose is to uh, consecrate an item. So it's to take something and empower it with the blessings of the sun so that it has a variety of boons, uh, including uh, like glamour and success and things like that. And you said it's best with groups of 12 or more. How come instead of just individually? Oh, I, I didn't say that it was best with groups of 12 or more. Uh, I haven't done it with a group of 12 or more. But when I was writing this guide, I had in mind 
that not only could individuals do it, but also whole covens or groups that practice together, um, because this has, uh, you know, different sections where, um, you know, I can I can even envision people wearing animal masks for the the twelve animals. Okay, um, so you just them. brought up the number twelve because of the twelve animals. Is that where that? Okay. Awesome. Yeah. So I've I've uh, I've done this a lot by myself. There's a lot of people who who do it as a uh, a single practice. Additionally, while the original purpose of this was to consecrate an item with a blessing, you can also target yourself, and and that's a really great way to do it. Um, a, a request for divine favor. Uh, so you can instead of saying uh, you know consecrate this phylactery, you can mm -hmm. say give honor and glory to me, Alison Tchaikovsky, instead of to the Nice. Awesome. So for people who aren't familiar, this spell, when you go through the verbiage and the wordage of it, it talks a lot about a phylactery. And I had a few questions going, what is a phylactery and why do I even want to consecrate one? So could you maybe give a little bit of an explanation in the context of that in the PGM? Absolutely. So phylacteries are very important in the PGM and in ancient magic. Uh, there are protective items. And in that late, that period of late antiquity, uh, there was there was just a cultural belief that, uh, you know, spirits were all over the place. Some of them were malevolent and they can make you sick. They can hurt you, um, you know, just all sorts of things going on. So a phylactery wasn't necessarily just for someone who's practicing magic. However, many rituals in the Greek magical papyri call for specific phylacteries to be worn by the practitioner as they are conjuring spirits. So this is, uh, this is phylactery comes from uh, phylaxis, which is to guard. Uh, so it's like a guardian amulet. Uh, however, while this does specify protection, uh, it also grants honor and glory and allure and, um, you know, things like that. So it's really the whole, all of the powers of the sun together. Fantastic. And so then those, you know, 12 stations of the sun, the 12 animals, that is corresponding to the ancient Greek zodiac. Is that, am I right in thinking that? Uh, so, so there's there's some notes in there about that. Uh, I relied on Tucer, who was a PGM era astrologer. Now, Tucer, we don't have any of his his works uh, still left. However, several other uh, writers of the time quoted him extensively, like Rhetorius. Um, so we've got we've got Tucer who talks about. Um, the, the sections of the zodiac and all of the constellations that are in each section. And when he gets to uh, each section, he also has each one of these animals broken down, starting with the cat in Aries and sections it up into three. So it's related to the Greek zodiac and the Egyptian decans, but these animals uh, are, are Egyptian. Oh, nice. So it's based on Egyptian astrology, but at, but at the time, uh, there uh, it's the imperial era of Egypt, so mm -hmm. it was written in Greek because the Greeks had moved in 
and said, uh, okay, Egypt's ours now. Everybody, everybody writes in Greek. Um, and there, there was just uh, so much cultural diffusion uh, related to that, that there's, you know, you see the Zodiac, the Greek Zodiac and the Egyptian stuff both together. Awesome. And so it is, you know, called the consecration to all purposes spell from Helios in the Bats version. Um, I had a number of questions of people going, you know, what is a consecration and why do I even want to consecrate anything or consecrate myself? Like, what is the benefit of that? Uh, so, so consecration has uh, kind of the connotation of making something holy. So when I'm doing rituals, um, I actually consecrate everything. So I'll, I'll, I'll consecrate the candles involved. I'll consecrate um, my little altar tile that I, I got from Northwich. If if I'm using this, <laughs> um, I will, which I love by the way. Um, I will I will consecrate the incense. Um, so you know you're you're going and, and it's it's just very quick. You know it's just you know saying some lines about you know, making, making something holy or, or whatnot. Um, however, when it comes to consecrating objects, uh, that's kind of what I do professionally. All of my pentacles are consecrated. Um, the scrying mirrors I make are consecrated. Uh, my phylacteries are consecrated. That's what makes them magical is this consecration ritual. Um, and though I use a variety of different rituals uh, to make the items I make, um, the spell is one of them. So I use that to make the, uh, the Cairo Zodiac amulet. And how long do you consecrate your personal items? Like your items that you make, how long do you consecrate those for? Like how long is that process? Uh, so it depends on the item. Uh, but uh, for things like pentacles, it's maybe 20 minutes to a half an hour to start the ritual. But then I, I put a big candle on top of the altar and I just let it burn down so that that's you know up to like seven to nine days sometimes right. but I'll you know not doing the ritual for seven days like in the room no just the ending of it the whole candle doing the work for the week-long process yeah. really yeah and, and in a very nice fire safe place sitting on usually a slate altar tile that I got from Northwest. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We always have to disclaim how, how we burn the candles, right? And always safely. I don't even have curtains in that room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We are, we're very careful about all the disclaimers of those. It's fire. It can get away from you. <laughs> so I actually did have a Patreon question that kind of jumps into this and segues into it nicely. And somebody was asking, since Allison is known as the Queen of Pentacles and she now has written a pamphlet on this spell, are you able to use this spell for consecrating your Solomonic Pentacles? Is that something that, you know, somebody who isn't versed in ceremonial magic could use as, you know, a substitute? Um, so the tentative answer is yes, I have done it, but I haven't done it with, uh, okay, so there's there's hundreds of Pentacles. There's not just the Pentacles and, and the Mathers key, there's... <clears throat> The veritable key which has three other manuscripts there's the the book of seals there's 
just many, 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 many other keys of Solomon. So there's there's hundreds of pentacles out there, and I have not tested this on all of them, um, but tentatively it it does work, uh, and and I have been able to consecrate a working pentacle that that then called spirits to to do the thing. Uh, so I, I'd love to see more people, um, especially folks who have this guide, just trying new things with it and reporting back because that's what I think is one of the great benefits of living in this time of connectivity. Uh, it's that we we have this ability to, uh, you know, collectively discuss all of these things. You know, especially especially in, in some towns, you um, might not have other practitioners, but, you know, when you're on the internet, you've got the whole world of, of people with common interests. Yeah, they check with the whole community and what is what are others saying, and so the the learning just continues. It it doesn't get better than that, really. So, like my brain jumps. Obviously, this would work fantastic for doing solar pentacles. Have you experimented with any of the other planetary pentacles and seen any efficacious results? Uh, yeah. So I made a uh, a first of Mercury, which is to um, command all of the spirits under the firmament, I believe is the uh, phrasing of it, and it worked. And then I <clears throat> I sent it to a tester and it worked for them as well. Fantastic. Now, when you start looking through the wording in the translation here, it's, you know, a lot of people are really daunted by it because you have all of this beautiful wording like in the beginning you have you know i call upon you the greatest god everlasting lord master of the cosmos who is over the cosmos and under the cosmos and it's like this beautiful poetry that's coming out and then they read that and they're like oh yeah i can totally do this and then they carry on and they get to this next part which is like oh my god now what do i do here you know, I call upon you, the great one in heaven, A, Lankuk, Akeren, Baal, Mistrin, Martamathath, Lailam. And there's this whole string of these barbarous words. And that's just really, really, really daunting to some people. Have you found that? That's me. You know, I'm the some people. <laughs> have, have you found that the pronunciation needs to be, you know, exactly in ancient Greek for this to work? Or is it something that you feel the spirits they you know they give you gold stars for trying at least you know what i mean uh so that's uh that's a multi-tiered answer uh the first thing i want to say is that i knew that people would be daunted by that so in the booklet itself that's why the appendix is in greek so if you know how to pronounce greek uh figure it out from there but i made a you know i i did work with corey to have those translations made and additionally, uh, the resource page of the Secrets of Helios on my site has all of the barbarous names written in the International Phonetic Alphabet. And there's a little option and a link where you can click and paste, and you can hear the words spoken to you by a computer voice. Oh, so awesome. if, you, if you just want to hear like a specific word, uh, you can do that. If you want to listen to the whole spell, you can also do that. Now that said, uh, I I have gotten better over time at pronouncing these, and you know I've been practicing for years, so um, I probably did not have the best pronunciation when I started, but I felt like I still got results, 
And uh, I was I was thinking the other day about one of those um, one of those foreign shows where um, it's like a Got Talent. People come on and they're singing, and and people are judging them. And I and I saw I saw a clip of one at one point where this person was definitely not an English speaker, but had picked an English language song. And I, I can't remember which one it was, but it was very famous. And you could tell what song it was, but none of the words were English. As in, it wasn't even it wasn't even in their language. They were just kind of garbling it. Um, and, but you knew what it was because uh, the cadence of the song. So it's it, it's kind of like that, um, where where I think I think they can still hear you even if you're you're not doing it perfectly. And, and the spirits definitely appreciate that we're trying and that we want to work with them. Um, so just start, do it messy. Yeah, just start, do it messy, get better. Nice. And that's a really good key to absolutely go to your website. Then not just get the pamphlet and carry on your way and be daunted by it all. But, but definitely use them in unison to go to your website and use those voice prompts yeah i mean this was this was i mean please use it like this was a ton of work Corey mm -hmm. put a lot of work into this music um and you know working on the the ipa and and all of these resources and then you know coding them at the website and things like that so definitely want people to use it and not struggle excellent so now you've obviously been experimenting with this as of I for quite a while now on using it as like a self-empowerment spell or like an initiation to the sun so to speak what sort of results have you seen or have people that you've collaborated with seen using this spell you know as a self-empowerment you know to draw these boons of the sun into yourself well I um so for me I've got uh, as, you know, as a, as a professional practitioner of magic, I'm just surrounded by magic. So I've, I've got, um, not just the personal things that I've made for myself, but I've got all of my inventory that's consecrated. So, you know, things are always swirling around me and opportunities and success are pretty common. But one of the things that I, I thought was, was really interesting is, uh, Corey, uh, when he was recording this, um, he felt very profoundly affected by the spell, uh, especially with reciting it over and over. And, and even in some cases, um, both of us from reciting it felt ourselves kind of a little overheated and, and getting dehydrated. Like it was just bringing the energy of the sun into us uh, so strongly. Um, but that's, that's because we were repeating it over and over and over and over again to, to record it for, for purposes. And, um, that's, that's not something that someone who's practicing the spell to do the spell would probably do. They'd probably just do it once. So they, they wouldn't be as affected as we were by it, but it was, it was pretty noticeable. And, um, you know, so I've, I've definitely gotten feedback from from customers who have gotten the Cairo Zodiac, which is consecrated with the spell. Um, and people are reporting that it 
helps them, um, you know, get money. Like if they've got a job where they get tips, uh, they've gotten um, inspiration. Uh, it, it helps them. It really just helps them succeed in whatever they're trying to succeed about. Uh, and I and I personally wear mine, which you know I'm wearing today, though it's not really seen because of the the zoom here. Um, but I, I wear it when I want to succeed in something. So if I if I look at my calendar and my day and I'm like, wow, I've got a lot of stuff to do and maybe not a lot of time to do it or motivation to do it, um, I'll, I'll put the Kyra Zodiac on and I'll get it done. Nice. So we also had another question because, there, of course, if you read through the spell, it looks like there's all these amazing boons and, you know, there, it, there really doesn't seem to be anything negative about it. But I had a couple people that did report that they had negative results from doing this, which I found quite odd because I have not experienced that myself. Did you come across anything when you were doing your research with this about anything that might, you know, cause people to have issues? Uh or any theories as to why there may be um, any negativity that does come from it. Because when we normally in magic, when we think of the boons of the sun, they're, you know, very strong, very powerful, very positive, uplifting, you know, it's like re removing the darkness to bring you to light, so to speak. So is there any theories as to why maybe some people might have a negative reaction to this or anything that they should maybe watch out for, perhaps cleansing prior to or things like that? So I always, when people are saying that they've they've encountered negative results from something that I view as entirely positive, I always wonder what the situation exactly is, because sometimes something that looks like bad luck might not necessarily be. So for example, uh, I've, now now this is unrelated to this the, uh, the consecration, but related to my pinnacle work. Um, there are definitely times where I have, uh, provided a protection item to someone and then their partner is kind of ejected from their life. Now, uh, that sometimes, uh, sometimes people are upset with that because it can be really traumatic, but in all of those cases so far, that partner is abusive, right? So the protective amulet is like, get out. You know, but that kind of blows up their life in a way, especially if they're in, you know, like a long term relationship with someone. Uh, so, you know, when it comes to bad luck coming from spells for good luck, um, you know, that's that's also something I see a lot with, uh, you know, other forms of planetary magic where, uh, you know, someone will do a lot of Jupiter magic to bring prosperity into their life, um, but they end up losing their job only to find another job that was better shortly down the road. So, th so that's actually where I am now. I um, had all this magic going on when I was working in corporate America, um, and I just kept asking spirits for more money. Uh, and let's be honest, I was asking for more money than I could have reasonably gotten doing the job that I was doing. Um, and I was like, no, I'll, I'll push the magic. I'll just keep, I'll, I'll, I'll go high and, and we'll see what happens. Well, what happened was I got hit in a whole wave of layoffs, um, but I got a huge severance package. And so then I had 
time and some starter money. Um, and now I'm self-employed and so much happier than I ever was. So, you know, when it comes to bad luck versus good luck, it's really situational. Um, and I, I genuinely don't see anything bad coming from a spell. Really just a redirection, which sometimes people aren't ready for, right? Because we always seem to have, we think we need to know the how. And so we kind of have a path made and then we do these magical ways. And that is not how the path is going to go. So a lot of times I, I agree with you that I think it has, they, it's not actually, how do you say it is Ariel? They think they're having a bad experience with it. It's really not, it's just a different experience than they expected a redirection, which I think is pretty cool. And in uh, hindsight, how cool they will probably think it is once they get through it. Yeah, sometimes those obstacles need to be removed in order for you to receive the full benefits of it. Like, I, I, I love that, you know, you brought up that, you know, people are in abusive situations or things like that. And, you know, after you said that, I kind of rang a couple bells and, you know, the couple people that were reporting that they had negative influences, they were in situations that they wanted to be out of and they wanted their lives to get better. Well, sometimes you're going to have to leave that situation for your life to become better, right? So, and that would totally make sense in, you know, the context of the spell as well. You know, you are in, you are invoking some pretty powerful forces that, you know, can literally move the cosmos. <laughs> exactly. And, and also uh, this, the sun has a road opening component to it. It also, I know we, we usually think of mercurial magic for that, but solar magic works well. Absolutely. So what was your favorite part and favorite thing that you learned about this spell in your scholarly research that, you know, you, you kind of had an aha moment that, you know, kind of made it make more sense to you or, you know, made you find a way to implement this into your daily life a little bit more? Because obviously it is not written to be a self-empowerment spell. It, when you first look at it, it does not appear to be that. So what aha moments did you have along the way that made you go, this is really actually a super badass spell? I, I got amazing results with it the first time I tried it. Um, so right off the bat, I was like, wow, this is great. And the reason why I tried that spell, um, you know, my first, my first time trying it was targeting a friend that I was doing spell work for. And they, they, uh, I was very, I was very, very well versed in planetary magic at the time. So usually that was my go-to where someone would say, Hey, I'm having problems with my job. Okay. Jupiter. Hey, I'm having problems with my love life. Okay. Venus. Um, but this particular person had so many problems in so many areas. I was like, wow, this is going to be multiple days of uh, planetary magic if I try to handle it that way. Then I was like, oh, well, there's this solar spell and it's got all of these different boons, um, you know, and, and let's see how that works. So it, it actually did hit all of the different areas that I needed to hit in that case. And it worked fast. I mean, it worked in under 24 hours, which wow. is another, another boon of the sun is, uh, it's a daily cycle, right? So a lot of people that do magic are 
you know, somewhat tied to astrology or the moon phases, you know, so, so right now, um, you know, the moon is, is on the wane and I'm not making pentacles. So I'm taking a break like I always do when the moon is waning. Um, but the sun rises every day. Sun sets every day. And have you found that there are, you know, different results if you, say, perform a solar spell in a waxing or a waning phase? You know, I don't, I haven't, uh, I haven't calculated all the data for that. Um, you know, it, like I said, I'm only one person. Um, and uh, that's why, that's why I'm so glad that I can bring this guide to the wider public and then have people test it, try it back. And just, you know, come back and share the results. That's awesome. So that goes into my question of that I'm going to ask everybody in this season of our podcasting. What is your idea of making the ripple in 2023? And I think you just answered it. So my my general my general ripple that I'm trying to make is practical magic. Right. Like I want people to have magic that helps their life and I want people to be able to help their friends. So I know that for me, as someone who practices magic, um, you know, sometimes I'll just be on social media and I'll see, oh, my goodness, one of my friends, uh, you know, they're they've lost their job and, you know, things are dire uh, or especially in this economy wow, they need to move and they can't find someplace affordable in their, their entire city to live. Uh, so, so that's when you can come in with magic and just, you know, change probability, um, you know, bring synchronicity and in some cases, actual miracles. So there's, there's a huge scale for magic and I'd love to see, I'd love to see it more accessible for people. And, you know, let's be honest, for as powerful as it is, the Greek magical papyri is not very accessible, right? Like it's not, uh, you know, hey, I know, hey, someone who's trying to get into this for the first time, I, I would not be like, here's a copy of the Bets PGM, go at it. Um, they're they're going to look at it and they're going to be like, what is going on here? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> we actually had that we were prepping for the interview and so i showed mom the greek magical papyri and had her read a couple spells and she's like what in the ever living <laughs> fuck is this like yeah, i need to sacrifice a cat and i need to yeah. you know get the fat from a donkey and i need like <laughs> what is this <laughs> right so right, it's so i'm not i'm out i'm not playing <laughs> yeah and and it's it's uh it's definitely it's definitely a little challenging to adapt some of this to modern practice. Um, you know, as I, I've said before on other interviews, um, these spells weren't as hard if you were doing them in Egypt back when they were written. So, for example, there's a lot of a lot of sacrificial animals mentioned in PGM magic. And it's not like you can just go down to your local store and get a falcon. Uh, you know, so um, however, in uh, Egypt of late antiquity, you could because they had they had temples where they bred sacrificial animals. Um, so you could actually just go down and like get an ibis from the temple. Um, so so in those cases, uh, 
you know, what, what, we, what we try to do is work around it. You know, some people make little statues. Uh, we try to try to figure out what the spell was was getting at and then and then try to do it that way. Or we just say, okay, pass, this is this is too complicated. Um, and and additionally, a lot of the spells of the PGM have literal holes in them, right? So it's uh, it's these papyri that have been preserved for over a thousand years, and they're just, some of them are just degraded. So you know we'll be like, okay, the whole right section of this is missing. Um, and in fact, the consecration to Helios has kind of a companion spell in the PGM where it's another spell where you're calling on the sun and you're saying in this hour you have this form, but the other spell is more complex where it also says your animal on land is this, your animal on the sea is this, uh, you know, here's some other stuff related to you. So there's a lot of correspondences in there and it would be a gold mine if it wasn't full of holes. So that, that other spell is uh, less usable than this one. Yeah, for sure. And if you look at it, you know, like the, it's got the gemstone for this one, but then it's missing for that one. And then it's like, it's absolutely just destroyed. Now, do you think that you could maybe transpose the, you know, the calls to the 12 hours from this spell and replace that first section on that other spell? Would that possibly be a workaround for, you know, doing the initiation to Helios? Uh, I, I think that uh, you could potentially make the other spell workable by swapping things out, but uh, you would have to change the alignment of it because uh, this one, the one that I wrote about starts at the summer solstice uh, and the other one starts in winter. So there's, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's a calendar difference. One is the Greek calendar and one's the Roman calendar. So at a different time of the year, the sun is not rising in the Aries. Right. That's why That's why the other spell says uh, in the first hour, you have the form of a young monkey. Very cool. So one of the things that um, seems to be a big thing in the sorceress community lately is the idea that you need to have personal links in order to do magic for people. And I did have a question from somebody who wanted to use this spell on a friend who was having a bad time. And she said, it's just not possible or feasible to get a physical personal link. Have you found that that makes any difference for doing this spell for others over distance? I have, I have not found that it makes any difference, but um, I do try to focus on the person in my mind um, as I'm doing it. So I'm, I'm usually doing it for people that I already know. You know, this isn't a spell that I will do for someone else as a service. Uh, so I'm not, I'm not doing it for strangers. So you already have the link to them. It's, it, right. And that, that yeah. link is like my memory of their voice and their face yeah. and their energy because I know them. Yeah. That makes total, total sense. So do you have any tips or tricks or secrets for people to kind of 
use this and work this into their practice? Like, is it something that should be done, you know, once as an initiation is enough, and then, you know, you can just do this for, you know, consecrating whatever you want to consecrate, or is there like, you know, kind of a best practices for where you would want to use this in your practice? So this spell is really flexible. Um, it works really well as a daily practice. The sun rises every day. You might as well also. Um, it works really well to consecrate an item. Uh, also in, in the booklet, I talk about other things I've done where I consecrated uh, like a little spirit box. And then because I had just called the sun god, I was like, hey, send me a familiar for the spirit box. So, you know, you can use it to acquire a familiar, still a familiar that way. So it's, it's really flexible and I encourage people to just, um, you know, play around with it. I'm excited to see your feedback, like you say, from others that are going to use it and kind of build the community around it to see what else is going to come from it. That's, that's quite exciting. Yeah, and um, on Facebook, uh, we've got a group called the PGM Study and Practice Group, and there's already um, there's already a thread about that with hundreds of comments because oh, I, did, I did that I did that like a year before uh, I published this guide, at least. Like I, I just put it out to the community that already knew the PGM, and I was like, "Hey, I've been doing this. Uh, you guys want to try it and, and see how that works out for you?" Awesome. So now it, being a member of that group, one of the things that you had people do as a prelim to that was to perform the Stele of Jew, the Hieroglyphist. Do you find that that is necessary now that you have been experimenting with this for so long? Or is that like, where where would you want to include that and where wouldn't you? So uh, when I originally posted about it, I included the preliminary opener to the Stele of Jew, which is subject to me all diamonds. Uh, it's that, you know, that, that little uh, section there. Uh, and, and I don't feel that that needs to be included. Um, you know, I did for the initial test, but uh, I often just run with the spell by itself. Fantastic. And you had um, kind of the idea of, you know, you wanted to put in like an ultimatum at the end of it in your initial experiments with, uh, you know, don't let the sun rise tomorrow unless I also rise in power or something along those lines. Have you found that that makes a difference or can they literally just do it, you know, as written and they get the same effects in the in, in the same timely manner, I should say? Uh, so I do I do feel that. It works very well as written, but uh, I, I did use some of the Egyptian magic that has to do with both uh, linking your magic to something that's going on in the universe, like the, the rising and setting of the sun, um, and, and also, you know, the, the threat, right? There's, there's spells in the, the PGM where it's like, Halt the boat of the sun, you know, like this, this is going to happen. Like the sun isn't, isn't going to do anything until, until this happens. And of course the sun is going to rise tomorrow. So if you've tied your magic to that, um, you know, hopefully your magic will hit as well. And that's, and that's what I've been finding. So, uh, you know, I, uh, 
I try to play around with different things, test things, incorporate other techniques from the PGM into my magic and just see what works. But um, I, I do feel that having that, that ultimatum, you know, and tying it to the sun rising the next day, I do feel like that's an extra boost for when you need immediate results. Totally makes sense. And now have you noticed that adding in extra things, because in a lot of places in the PGM, you know, it says like do the usual and, you know, you're kind of just expected to know what that means. Um, and a lot of people, you know, there's a lot of debate on that, but, you know, for this one, do the usual might be, you know, light a candle, light, light up your incense, have some frankincense burning, make sure that you're pure. Have you found that any of that makes a difference on it? Like if you don't have frankincense and you don't have the ability to, you know, abstain from sex for three days or not eat for three days or whatever, are there varying degrees of efficaciousness based on that? So regarding the spell, uh, I think the spell does not need incense or um, candles or any of the other stuff. I do that because uh, I'm, you know, I always have them. Like my house is just full of candles and incense. So, um, you know, might as well. But, uh, you know, when it comes to the do the usual, the word in Greek uh, means common, uh, koina. So it's just, uh, it's basically just saying, like, speak freely, freely in the common tongue. So you usually see that in places where it's like, okay, just say what you want here. So if there's, there's anything you want to add at the end of the spell, you know, because you've already got the sun god on the line, when it, you know, when you see that, you know, do the usual, that would be there. Awesome. And have you experimented with putting other things in there? Because like, when you get to the end of this spell, it, you get a, through all of this long string of barbarous words and calling upon these 12 animal epithets. And, you know, you're going through the deacons of the Zodiac and it's very, very big. And then there's kind of this space at the end where it almost seems like you could put in whatever you want because it says, and then when you are finished, end the spell by saying the one Zeus is Serapis. Is that where you would suggest, you know, kind of inserting, you know, such and such experiment or petition here? Absolutely. Awesome. I, I also realized that I, uh, I did not answer one of your questions earlier, and I'd love to. Uh, you asked me if I discovered anything while I was doing the research for this, and I did. And it was, it was kind of a big deal for me. So originally when I was looking at these animals, uh, they were kind of a mystery. And I had, uh, I had all of these notes going in different directions, like, okay, cat, here are all the cat deities of Egypt and, you know, just all sorts of things like that. But then as I, as I started to put them together and do more research, I found the Cairo Zodiac, which I've uh, kind of reproduced as a product in Practical Occult now. Uh, but the Cairo Zodiac, which is also on the cover of the Secrets of Helios Guide, um, includes those 12 animals uh, that Tucer calls the Dodecaoros, uh, and another layer where they're um, related to the Zodiac. So when I found that artifact, I was like, oh my goodness, this is astrological. You know, and then once I knew where to look, that's when I found Tucer. 
So that was kind of what put it all together was uh, art history. And I, and I think that uh, art history and um, motifs that you see in, you know, ancient Greek and Egyptian art are really going to help us unlock some of these puzzles. That's super cool, actually. I was just thinking about Danny with that. She will love that link. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Danny's Danny's our local artist, and she does some interesting things. She's got a innate talent for channeling spirits without even really realizing that she's doing it. So it's it, it'll be interesting to see what she gets out of this. She hasn't read it yet, so. <laughs> So did you have anything else that you wanted to add about this spell that maybe might not be um, covered in your pamphlet? Um, we we had a couple people say, what what would Allison want to add that is not in the pamphlet that's something that she has had as a revelation with it? So um, the Hadean pamphlets are very short. So they, they've got a they've got a short word count. Uh, and at one point, uh, the draft of this was very, very, very much over that. <laughs> so, uh, so I had to like cut it down um, to be specifically about the spell. But when I had more space uh, and when I was presenting this, uh, because this was, this is based on a presentation I gave for a conference called Astromagia, uh, which is about um, astrological magic. Um, so I took this whole presentation that I'd given and I kind of cut out all of the extraneous stuff where you've got other spells in the PGM that might be related to these dodecaoros, uh, you know, and you've got, uh, you know, just other astrology going on. And I really wanted to laser focus on this one spell, um, you know, but I, I really feel like I've, I've got, I've got everything covered. And, you know, if there's going to be any more updates, they would be in the resource section of Practical Cult. And so do you think once you get your feedback back from people that have done it, do you think that we can anticipate a follow-up book, perhaps? Anything like that? Ever so, thinking? Yeah, so I, I actually am working on two other guides now, um, fingers crossed but I would like to write about um, the prayer to uh, Mini, which is the moon, and also the Steely of Jew. So don't know how long that will take, but right. uh, I mean, for, for, for a very tiny guide, this was an enormous amount of research. Like I, I had to go through like a lot of stuff and to just boil it down. Right. So. Well, excellent. So now has it uh, got you excited that you wanna just keep on this path? I do, I do. So, so originally, I was going to try to write a book on the Greek magical papyri, but the Greek magical papyri is so complex and multifaceted. I just didn't know how to do it justice. And yeah. I have all of this stuff that I wrote, but I, I couldn't organize it into any sort of coherent book. However, if I take pieces out of it. And, you know, like, this is a single spell, and this is all of the stuff you need to know about the single spell, but present that in a way that it can be applied to other spells in the PGM, then, then maybe I can, I can manage it that way. Awesome. 
great perspective. For sure. Did you have any other questions there, Ma? I know you had your notepad going there. I know I got a whole big notepad. No, um, I think we've covered everything. I think we're good. I, I have a question. Can, can I ask a question? You bet. You bet. Um, so, so Zariel, you mentioned that uh, you had had different results with with timing on on the spell. I'd love to hear about that. Um, yeah, so interestingly enough, I have had um, different results based on the moon phase myself, and I have also had different results based on whether this is done in the day or in the night, which is, I, I found quite interesting, because if you look at the 12 hours, they actually are the 24 hours in some of the different spells, which I thought was interesting. So I started experimenting with it just based on, you know, like, if we're in this zodiac sign with the moon does it make a difference if we're in you know this moon phase does it make a difference and what i've found is that if you're if i have done this spell on certain phylacteries or whatever and it's let's say the moon is in aries and i do it at night when the moon is risen i have found that it will have more of that aries energy that does come through which is was surprising to me because i didn't expect that with a solar spell because you would expect that you would just you know you would get the boons of the sun out of it and what i found was it didn't just necessarily matter where the zodiac was or the astrology was for the sun but the moon actually did play more of a role in it than i had anticipated because i was just looking at you know solar timing when i was originally experimenting with it and then i was getting really really good results especially when i did it um the best result i had was when i did it at the uh summer solstice and we were in the proper sign and everything for that and i thought that that was really really cool so then I, that's when I started playing with moon phases and I thought it was very interesting. And what I found was for protective phylacteries, they tended to work better if it was done on a new moon rather than if I did it around any of the other phases, which was interesting to me. And if we look at some of the Hecatean spells and stuff in the PGM, we kind of see that that seems to be a little bit of a theme that whenever she is called for protection, it's either on the waning moon or it's on a new moon. So I kind of started playing with the Hecate Helios relationship a bit, you know, using that for why the moon was going. And that was, you know, I'm still experimenting. I'm still, you know, there, like you say, we're only one person. There is so much to do with this, but I found that it's, very interesting how much the moon and the sun actually do correspond to each other when you start doing this magic, uh, especially since that's not mentioned in the spell work. You know, it, it basically says, watch for this time of day or do this at dawn or do this at this time of year or whatever. But, you know, as a working sorcerer and I have to do spell work every day, you know, you start to notice these little nuances that are happening, you know, like this batch of talismans that I made has this extra boon to it. And 
you know, I'm not someone that is super um, psychic. Like I, I'm very clear tangent. I can feel the energies and that's how I notice the difference between things. But when I have friends that receive certain things that I send out for experiments, like, Hey, can you try this out and let me know what you get out of it? The ones that can see or hear the spirits a lot better than I can have reported back that, you know, I can feel that there's more of a Martian energy to this, or I can feel that, you know, the spirits that are coming through in this one are much more related to Mercury or whatever. And so I, I don't know if it is talisman or phylactery related, or if it is just that moon phase or whatever. Um, so what I did was I did a set of 30 of them and did the different moon phases for each one and then i sent that out to a friend to look at and they said that there was actually a difference in the spirits that came through in every single one of them which was you know like i'm not that psychic i can't just go all right talk to me now spirits what's going on here so i have to rely on those people but i've had really interesting feedback on that and you know all of them have been very positive you know the, you're getting the good boons the good luck all of that that comes from this spell it's just that you're getting a slightly different energy that comes through or a slightly different spirit that is then tied to that um you know i'm i'm very animistic with my witchcraft and so i feel that when we're doing this that we are bringing you know a spirit into that item and that's you know kind of what's making it magical and I've kind of had a few people say that, you know, these are different. These are, these do have different energies. So I think that's something that um, those of us who do experiment with this should be experimenting with more and trying, you know, in a lot of these different phases. Cause I mean, there's so many different, do we want to watch out for certain retrogrades with this? Do we want to watch out for, you know, like if Mars is in retrograde, do we want to be making it during that time? And, you know, just things, little things to play with that, you know, and the nice thing is, is that we have, you know, makers tools and technology up here that we can, you know, we can spit out 30 talismans in a day and then just spend the next month consecrating them. Whereas a lot of people that are doing it by hand don't have that opportunity. So it's something that I, I like experimenting with just because I have, you know, a little bit more of an ability to do it than the average person. So yeah, hopefully no, that kind, kind of answers your question. That was, that was <laughs> great. I love, I love hearing about all of your, your testing uh, because I'm, I'm absolutely also really into testing things and, you know, like, okay, can I make it out of this material? How about this other material? Let me make a batch of three out of three different materials. I'll make them all in the same window of time. Are they different? what works better, that sort of thing. Now, the only the only thing that I do want to caution is in some cases, there is a, percept, a perceptible difference of uh, like the flavor of the energy, but it, but they're, they're functionally, they work the same. You know what I mean? So, so, so yeah. like, you know, there, and, and I find this with a lot of my, my products where I'll be like, mm, you know, this is a little Mars, this is a little like Jupiter, whatever, but then the way they work is both the same. So, you know, that's, that's just another thing to, um, you know, think about with testing where, um, it's like, uh, you know, Hey, Hey, this, this glass of water is a little cooler than this glass, which is a little warmer. Okay. They're both water. Right. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, and that is one thing that I have, 
noticed is that it's like, for example, the phylactery of the Ouroboros seems to work the same no matter what phase that you consecrated in, right? And and that's one thing that I have noticed. And I sent out a lot of them when I started experimenting with different woods, different stones, different things. And, you know, if it's made out of, say, birch versus oak, it will have a different feel. It will have a different energy to it. But in the end, you're going to, it's going to still do the basic function that it is given. It just might be a different spirit that is doing that function or a different energy that's coming through to perform that function. Or, you know, like I say, I am not super psychic on that. So I, I rely on other people to tell me how the spirits are responding to it. Um, for me, I go, Oh yeah, this one's really, really hot. And it's got a lot of energy coming through. And this, like, like you said, it's like the water, this one's a little bit cooler, but you know, in the end, am I getting less sick with every one of them? Yes. Am I having less problems with, you know, confrontation with each one? Yes. Right. So it's, it's one of those ones that, you know, I have to rely on people that are much more adept than me to, you know, hopefully look into the nuances of it. Yeah, I definitely, you know, personally also rely on sending stuff out to testers. And I try to do a mix of folks that are uh, very psychic or good with working with spirits and folks that are none of that, but just have a great need. So because I, I, I want to make sure that you know, if you're just the average person who doesn't practice, um, because a lot of people don't, that you can still benefit from my work. I love that point of view, Allison. I totally love that of you, that it is for everyone, right? Yeah. Not an elite group. So I, I truly, truly love that. I've made pentacles for uh, children and pets before. Yeah. So let's tell the our listeners where we can find everything Allison Jagoski. Yes, well, uh, that would be Practical Occult, which is my uh, business and my website, practicalocult.com. Um, you know, I, I've got all sorts of things there, including uh, all of those resources for the Secrets of Helios. Uh, and a, can they get Secrets of Helios on there or they have to go through the Hadean Press? Uh, so there's links. Okay, great, great. So you can get it from Amazon. You can get it from the awesome. website. Um, it's available in, in a couple of places, but, you know, going to my site will direct you to those places. Perfect. Um, it's also available yeah. at Northwich Magic Co. Ooh. Funny that. I, lo I love, <laughs> I love, uh, I love it when physical stores are stocking this. It's really exciting for me. Um, well, I, I think it's just all building the community of it all, right? Yeah. But uh, yeah, so Practical Occult, we've got a store including, um, you know, magic of antiquity, like phylacteries and, you know, things that I've consecrated with this spell. I have Solomonic Pentacles, and then we also have uh, divination and courses. And oh, fantastic. Through yes, uh, I Alexander you guys... Clark, I believe will be on your show coming soon. Yeah, I think Alex is on next week. I saw that you guys launched uh, two new courses or something. What you want to give us a heads up on that so we can send people there? Uh, yeah, so he've, he's got a, a new course on necromancy out and also the protection 102. So got a uh, quite a few courses there. Nice. 
and more coming out every month. Exciting. And they're and they're short. They're uh, you know like an hour each and uh, affordable. So you know nice. not not a, a thing that you're signing up for a twelve month commitment where you know you don't know how much time you'll have. This is for this is for busy practitioners who are working and have lives. Awesome. Great. Well, thank you for coming on today. And this is, you know, a wonderful spell. It's great to see it being presented in a very accessible way. And, you know, the fact that you can go on to Hadian and you can buy it as an EPUB or you can get a little pamphlet for, you know, five or six dollars, depending on your country. That's I don't think that you can get a much more accessible spell from late antiquity. So uh, very nice to see this out there and that it's that accessible to the world now. So thank you for your service with that. And thanks for coming on to talk about it. Thanks for having me. It's always a delight. Thank you.